Mine's good. Life good! Got real close. Got hair high, right? Trying to hit two thirds. Have they saved it for her? Yes, they have! Welcome to Game of Stones, everybody. I am Sean Graham. Scott is alongside, as always. Hello, Scott. Oh, hey, Sean. Good to see you. Yeah, yeah. I'm, uh, I'm just looking at. Uh, we mentioned in our last episode something about uh, the arena in Edmonton. So uh, it's called Rogers Place now, the new one. Yes. So the old one was called Rexall, which is what what we said, of course. So last week we talked about ways in which we think we could improve the in-person curling experience as a fan, as a spectator. So that included changes to the format as well as some things that we think could improve just watching an event. So this week what we're going to do is we are actually going to rank the events yeah, we're going to rank the major events that we thought of. We probably forgot some of them. Yeah, so these are four people events, so not mixed doubles. We, we have not included any of those. Right, right. And we are counting only events that take place, with one exception, in arenas, not yeah. curling club events. So a lot of there are a lot of cash fields and stuff, even something like the Stu Cells tournaments, that happen across the country, those are usually in curling clubs. So we're talking more arena events that have a large spectator capacity. That's right. And so I've ranked them. We And we've been between the two of us to most of these events, if not all of them. Correct. And so between the two of us, we were hoping to come up with some sort of perspective on, on how, how we feel about them. Yeah, so I've ranked them 1 through 10. And here are the criteria that I've used, Scott. All right. Hit, hit me. The quality of the teams who play. Sure. Strength of field. The general size of the arena. Right? Obviously, these events move around, but generally speaking, they tend to be consistent in the size of venue they play at. Size of venue. Got it. The crowds. Size. So the number of people who go. The size of the crowd. Okay. Uh, and those two things contribute then to the next one, which is overall atmosphere. Atmosphere, okay, a little bit uh, it's vague. nebulous, yeah. but uh, sure. And then the final one is access to the players or to the ice or whatever it is, right? So that you feel close to the action, you know what's going on. Okay, all right. Those are those are some good criteria and criteria. criteria. Yeah. So there's ten events that we've identified here, and with that, I am going to go from worst to best. Worst to first? Yeah. So we'll start at number 10. Okay. And the number 10 events. And this one I am putting not the Elite 10 because it doesn't even crack the list. Um, it's I'm putting the World Cup because we just don't know. Right. Yeah. Th- this is more question mark rather than 10 because World Cup is a new thing coming out. We don't know anything about it really except that two will be in Beijing and one will be in uh, Omaha. Omaha. Yeah, so yeah. I think that's a, all that we know so far. So yeah, it, it gets a question mark, right? Because we have no idea. Exactly, and it's something that we hope is good. Uh, I, I don't really know much about the venue where they're having it in Omaha, but hopefully it's a, it's a good event there. Uh, but we'll see. So that's an unknown, we just don't know. But it seems as though it's going to be a major event on the calendar now. I mean, if they've got Kui and 
Eden, uh, amongst others, to play. It's going to be a major event. A lot of people are going to go, so hopefully it's a good spectator experience. Yeah, yeah, fingers crossed. So what's next on your list? So number nine, number nine event that I would want to go to as a spectator is a non-Canadian world championship. So men's or women's, any world championship? Doesn't matter. I'm saying a non-Canadian world championship is number nine. So... Any event held outside Canada? Are, uh, how? No, no, not any event held outside Canada. A world championship held outside Canada. Yeah, yeah, that's what I meant. Okay. Uh, so, okay, tell me why. So these ones, especially when they're in Europe, uh, there's nobody there. And they seem to have them in arenas that look way too big. And maybe one of the reasons they look too big is because nobody's there. Hmm. But it's always quiet. There's really not much reaction. There, there doesn't seem to be that much atmosphere when you watch it. Small crowds. Uh, this, so that takes away from the atmosphere. And I, in terms of the quality of teams, you know, with this expanded field, you can make a case that they've actually weakened the overall quality of the fields that are playing in these events. Yeah, I, I agree with the addition of the extra teams. It's it's not ideal. Uh, this is one of those kind of events that I've got on my list of things I'd like to go see. I'd like to go to Europe, you know, and see. And I think it it depends on where in Europe. Uh, we saw at the mixed doubles and the the seniors that it they're capable of drawing crowds in Sweden, you know. Uh, but you don't necessarily see it for the world championships. One of the events that I wish I'd been able to go to was Latvia, because uh, I think it would be fun to go to Latvia. Sure, Riga. Yeah, uh, when the the Women's Worlds was there. But uh, I'm I'd be interested to go to see. These are this is one of the events that we haven't been to, and correct. Probably that's why it's so low on the list. Correct. Uh, oh, thanks, Jalen Rose. I'd like to know. If uh, an American World Championship would be any different for you? Uh, no, because uh, we'll, and we'll talk about this when we get to the Continental Cup. They're kind of a Canadian event, to be honest. Like they're they're very much events that mostly Canadians are there. They're catering to a Canadian audience. We'll see if it's different. This World Cup, I think it'll be interesting. I don't know if people are going to travel to this World Cup. It's, it strikes me as it's going to be an American-hosted event that is attended primarily by Americans. So I think this is going to be one of the first test cases, really, where it's an event that is outside of Canada, in the United States, in which the majority of people who are attending are Americans, which doesn't tend to be the case when there's a World Championship in the United States, same is true for the Continental Cup when they've had it in Vegas. It's mostly Canadians who are going. Yeah, yeah, that's that's fair. So, okay, uh, I hear you there. All right, so number eight on my list is the Canadian Mixed Championship, which I have been to yes. when it was here in Ottawa. So I put this one number eight because of... This is the exception to the arenas. So this event... Is usually played in curling clubs. But what's so cool about it is that they come off the ice, players come off the ice, and they sit in the lounge and they sit just to hang out amongst everyone. You have great access to them because it's in a curling club. You are used to the view of what you're seeing. Uh, so you get access like that. So it's a, it's a really nice view in that respect. And there's a cool atmosphere because mm-hmm. the club's full. 
people are into it. There's a lot of people around. There's energy. It's just a really cool event to be at. And while the mixed teams may not always be of the highest quality relative to the things we might normally be used to seeing mm-hmm. on television, good players play. I mean, I saw Rod McDonald play. We saw Sylvie Robichaud was skipping the team when, mm-hmm. when it was here. Uh, we've seen her a bunch at the, the Scotties. I know um, Jamie Cooey has played in it with Carrie Galusha that they've teamed up to play together out of the Northwest Territories. So good people come and play in this event, not infrequently. Yeah, and Darren Molding was there too, right? Yeah, so Darren Molding won. He skipped the championship team the year that uh, I was there. Yeah, so you get to see good players and uh, in an up-close and personal kind of atmosphere. Okay, I'm digging it. I'm digging it. So that's eight. So uh, number seven. No, let me ask a question. go ahead. Uh, At the mix, do they have a patch venue or is it... It's all the in the club. curling club. It's just the curling club. So what's what's interesting there that there really was no segregated space, right? You know how like the players just come off the ice and they're like because it's a curling club. Yeah, right? they so, go to the locker room. But, yeah, yeah, so it was just the club, and and because it's a club and clubs are going to be licensed, you don't need to have sort of special space for anything. So okay. it was really good in that respect. At the Rio Curling Club, you had the upstairs which was for the timers, the officials, and they had like a VIP space up there. Mm-hmm. But generally speaking, everyone was sort of everywhere. And how much are tickets to mix? So I don't know. I don't pay for tickets to things. Um, but I, I do re- seem to recall that for one draw was in the $10 range. Okay, so pretty affordable to go and see very high-level curling. Yeah, and definitely less than going to the big arena event. Sure. So okay. there's a good value there. Okay. In terms of tickets. Because in my mind, value for money is going to be a part of this in in my rankings too. No, I think that's I think that's absolutely fair. Yeah, it's definitely an affordable event. And the other thing that's cool about it, it'll go to smaller places. Yeah. Right. So it, it it's not as beholden to arenas, so you can get it into places where other national events may not be able to go to. Cool. All right. So number seven. This is the one that may be controversial. Ooh, I'm putting the Canadian Olympic Trials as number seven. Wow, wow, Sean. Uh, this Canadian Olympic Trials is one of the events that I had most looked forward to going to. Me too. And I was very excited for it. T- to me, I really enjoyed myself. But give me a rundown of why. Okay, so in terms of quality of teams, this is impeccable. This is arguably the most, uh, the the best field. In the world at any event so it's hard to say that they they don't meet the quality of teams threshold but everything else is bad at it the arenas are too big the crowds while big are not big enough for the space the atmosphere is not good it's very low energy i think in and amongst the crowd the players are they're they're so on edge that being in the scrum area, being in the post-game interviews, trying to get quotes from people wasn't fun because hmm. the winners were still almost angry that they won. Still focused. Like, and the, the people who lost were just crushed. So it wasn't really a fun in that regards. You saw Brad Jacobs when he threw through against Kevin Cooey. He had the relatively open draw to win the game early in the week. And he... Had he flipped out? 
Yeah. Really, like he was super angry. There was another game where he was struggling, and he took his gripper and he smacked it against the boards four or five times in a row after a, a steal, I think. Yeah. Like, so the players, and I get why, but as a fan, I don't like to see that. I don't. That's not fun for me. Mm. Uh, you know, curling is all about the social game, and it's fun. Like yeah. that sort of high intensity doesn't speak to me as a fan. Okay. So I don't care for that. It also, I think, diminishes the access a little bit, too. So yeah, the idea yeah. of these are relatable people, we're having fun, you don't see them at the patch really at all. Even the Q&As yeah. that they do over there aren't nearly as open because the teams just want to get out and, and move on. So I think there's just so much pressure in that event that it, it takes away from what the players are doing that they would normally do it a Briar, certainly say a Continental Cup, in mm-hmm. terms of just interacting with the fans. And then you compound that by having it in an arena that's way too big. And I, I don't know, it's just to me, I, it felt like the the whole thing didn't fit with what a curling event should be. It just felt off in a way. Okay, okay. I think part of your concerns have to do with it being here in Ottawa, whereas when it was in Edmonton and Winnipeg, the crowds were a little bigger for the whole week rather than uh, than just the begin or the the weekend. The weekends, yeah. The two right? weekends always do well. <clears throat> they do well, but but in those other more curling rabid places, you know, the it's the attendance wasn't you know as low as it was here, and not that it was crazy low, but like we've talked about, it was the first and second levels only that were selling. So there's that, I understand. That, so, you know, if you put it in a smaller venue, like in Winnipeg, in that 15,000-seat arena, I think it, that, that's perfect. Mm. I get your trepidation, but it's, it is like, it's the best. It's so great. Okay, but here's, but here's so the great. Thing. I, Let me just say this, too, that, yeah, it's the best teams, but if the, the event itself is such that Brad Jacobs can miss an open draw on an extra end, or we see Chelsea Carey miss flash hits. Like, is it really then the best event? Well, yeah. Like, it's, you want to see them make shots. Like, you don't. Like, you don't want. It's like the U.S. Open. Is the U.S. Open golf? Is it really that much fun to watch when you know that these are the best players, but they're they're hacking around and they look like me? I can miss draws. I'm capable of missing open draws, and I have access to watch people miss open draws anytime I want. If I go down to the Ottawa Curling Club, I don't need to see that at an event. Yeah, but missing a draw on Thursday night, you know, is much different than missing a draw when the you're playing to go to the Olympics. So I think it's like more exciting. Oh, okay. You know, I, makes are more fun than misses. Sure, but the pressure is there, and the pressure is is sort of what what you kind of want to see. You want to see how these athletes perform under the pressure. Okay, but it, I don't need to go to do that in person. Fair enough. That's all. So the trials, I, I was very underwhelmed by the Olympic trials. But tell me, you didn't like the the end when uh, Hebert and Lang are sweeping, trying to get that rock there and then kevin cooey does his four inch vertical four jump. Inch jump yeah and, and like it, that was really exciting and and i remember yeah. sitting there and going yeah go go ah like that those are the kind of moments that you're not going to get you know at a grand slam event or something no you're right you're right but that's a very small part of it to me 
Okay. Talking about, again, overall experience. Okay. So I put the trials six, or excuse me, number seven. Number six, I have the Canada Cup because quality field, arguably just as good as the trials. Yeah. Because um, the selection process is very similar. So the Canada Cup there. The thing that's different to me about the Canada Cup versus what some of the things we're going to talk about is there's not that much buzz around it every year. Mm-hmm. Well, it's, it's just early in the season. It just right? sort of yeah happens in December and they play it and then you move on. I mean, it's important because you get the trials births uh, for men and women, but there doesn't seem to be that much buzz around it. And the crowds tend to be pretty chill. And mm-hmm. so that one... It's an important event, arguably the most important event on the yeah. calendar in a non-Olympic year, but it's an event that doesn't really capture the imagination. Yeah, it's uh, it's one of those events that's... I, I recognize it as being the best, right? It's the best field, it's the best teams, but it doesn't feel the same as a Briar or Scotty's. It exactly. feels It feels lesser than... Where it really shouldn't, and maybe it's because they wear their sponsored, or I think at the Canada Cup they give them colored shirts. Yeah, home right? hardware. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Themed. So, but it's like when it's not the provincial colors, it's always like a little weird. I find, and I found the same at the trials, right? Where oh, it's orange team against teal today. Right. Like, what does that mean? Yeah. Uh, I don't know. So yeah, I understand. But uh, my grip with the Canada Cup. It always seems to be somewhere in Alberta, and uh, I don't know. I don't really want to go to Alberta in December. Okay, that's fair. Uh, that's just my uh, well, I think my had bias. A, I think they've had it in Saskatchewan before. Oh, yeah, Estevan is hosting this year. There you go. So, so okay, fine, fair enough. But it, it does seem to be, okay, Kamloops, Yorkton, Medicine Hat, Cranbrook. So it's either... Alberta, BC, Saskatchewan, Saskatchewan, Manitoba, like, you know, that's the heartland. Yeah, just, just, you know, once I'd like to not, <laughs> not uh, have to go west. All right. Well, they're not having another event in Ottawa for ten years, so you're gonna have to go somewhere. They could do it at Lansdowne. No, but they're not gonna bring another event here for a while. Yeah. Okay. Two in eighteen months. Yeah, major fair ones in 18 months. Fair yeah. enough. But anyway, that's my only gripe. All right. So after the Canada Cup, number five, I'm putting the Grand Slams. Uh, and the Grand Slams, again, not really a lot of buzz around them. They just sort of happen. Mm-hmm. And you're not really sure when because they always change the schedule and what's the format and how do these teams get in. <laughs> Are the women there? Because sometimes they're not. Mm-hmm. Um, although it's changing now and more and more events are having the women there. I think for the upcoming season, all the events will be have both men's okay. and women's. Yeah. And it's just so, so that you sort of, there's a, a saturation point, I think with them in terms of atmosphere and really caring about them. Yeah. But as you talked about last week, the Pinty's pub is there. You have access to them. So smaller venues. Yeah. The one in Toronto at the Madame, so whatever I think it's called Madame something something, but it's Maple Leaf Gardens. Uh, apparently, a great venue to watch. Really small. You're right on top of the play. Mm-hmm. So that's why I put the Grand Slams at number five. Yeah, I, I agree with everything you have to say about the size of the venues. I think they're perfect for the Grand Slams. Uh, they've sometimes run into issues with some of the buildings they go to, but. You know, it's to be expected at smaller venues. You can you can have little quirks of the ice and whatnot. The thing that I really like, you mentioned the Pinty's Pub. You'd stand right behind the sheets. 
Uh, you can hear it. We had a I had a funny interaction there with uh, Brad Gushu when he was playing Rachel Holman's team. It was the the Elite Ten a few years ago, and uh, he sort of looked back and was like, "Geez, I'm not used to everybody cheering for the other team." You know, like <laughs> it, it it was really fun. The players seem relaxed. Uh, yes, there's big money on the line, but uh, they do this so often that you know it's a uh, it's a fun fun time. Right. There. That's what's cool about it. It's pretty chill, relaxed, generally speaking. So that's why I'd put that number five. It's it's good for the fans. Yeah, and I would also say you know the fact that the, ch- the schedule always changes. You don't know which event is at what point what point in the season. You know, it would be like if the Australian Open tennis suddenly was in the summer here. Right. And you're like, what the heck's going on? Yeah, why? why? What? Yeah. what is that? So uh, getting a little more consistency to the events will help. And maybe a little more geographic uh, consistency. So like have one event that's always on the East Coast. And yeah, they've I done, think they're, they're trying, they're to, trying do to do that. Like the, the players, I think, is always in Toronto. That's right. One yeah. of them has been in the Sioux for the past few years. Yeah, yeah. So they're, they're trying their best. I think with it, this year they're going to Summerside. For one of them, one of the early ones, I think is going to be in Summerside. Okay. So yeah, I think they're trying to get some some diversity in terms of locations. Yeah, yeah, because because I like the idea of it being a, a geographic. So this is the there's two in the East Coast, and these are what they are. Right. Not not like the Nationals there one year, the players the next year. You know, like pick your pick your two, put them there. Yeah. So yeah, I, I agree. So. There's some improvement there for the Grand Slams. All right, so number four on my list, a Canadian World Championship. And I've distinguished this from a non-Canadian World Championship, and maybe it's because I'm influenced by what happened in North Bay and what we saw this year. But the place was packed. People were fired up. People were into it. Everyone seemed to be having a great time. The players certainly loved the atmosphere in North Bay, and all the reports that I got back from the folks in the Bay was that it was really just a great environment, a great place to play. And what I like about this, and we'll talk about this in some of the other events, but I really like it when there's a distinguishable, identifiable home team. The curling crowds are nice, they'll cheer for everyone, but if there's one team that the home crowd is really going for, that's the same thing as what we saw in Korea. It just makes it that much better, because sort of eyes are on that team, you know when that team's on the ice, you Mm -hmm. know when they make a shot. I think it really helps with the energy in the building if there's a collectivity behind it because at a trials or the canada cup or grand slam everyone has their own favorite team that you're rooting for but at something like a world championship and at a canadian world championship where there's more people you can sort of sense it that everyone's in it together so it makes it feel more like going to a professional sporting event where Mm -hmm. everyone is cheering for that home team yeah and what's really cool about having the home team there too is that the other teams have to be aware you know, like we saw in Korea, oh, the Koreans are on the ice, their fans are insane, and they're going to make noise uh, if they make a good shot. And they were making a lot of good shots. Mm-hmm. So, uh, you know, you have to be aware, and and we'll talk about this, I'm sure, in a bit, but uh, the crowds yeah, for those kind of events can be really, really, really fun. Yeah, I'm really into it. So, uh, And having it in Canada, I think, just makes it that much better than a non-Canadian one, because more people... The crowds tend to be Better tend to crowds. be bigger, yeah. yeah. And and yeah. the world championships when they're here in Canada, smaller arenas in general. In general, right? yeah. They'll go to North Bay and have it in that smaller place, which again means that it's going to be full, a lot yeah. of energy. The place will be loud, 
and that's always fun. Yeah, they had the Men's Worlds in Victoria a few years ago, and they played at the Savon Center there, which is, yeah, five 6,000-seat arena. So uh, it's, it's pretty fun. You can jam-pack everything, and uh, the players also, they talk about liking to play their world championships here, you know? They, yeah, the players want it. A lot of te- teams from Europe, you know, they don't play in front of three, four, five thousand 5,000 people uh, most nights. So when they get the chance to, it's pretty fun, yeah. right? It's kind of cool. Like, if I got the chance to play in front of that many people, I'd, I'd think it was pretty cool. Yeah, and then you go to something like, I don't know what they call the World Curling Federation events, but whatever their equivalent of a patch is, uh, mm-hmm. you have people there and people are around. It's fun. So it, it just adds to the experience. Yeah, big time. So that's four for me. Number three, and I'm grouping these two together, the Scotties and the Briar, because in my experience is going to them, they're the same. They're really the same event. The only difference would be Briars tend to be in bigger arenas on yeah. average. Yeah. But essentially at their core, they're the same thing. I like both of them a lot. Mm-hmm. This is another thing where you have a distinguishable home team all the time, yeah. but you also have a collectivity. There's Team Canada who nobody is really cheering for, which is always kind of fun, uh, unless they're from the province where it's being played. But then you also get the people from all the other provinces. So you get the blue nosers that yeah. wear the hats. Uh, you see people in the Manitogas uh, walking around. Everyone's got the beads on. You'll see tons of green yeah. in the crowd, regardless of where it is. So it's always fun. The chance in the crowd of people screaming Ontario and PI. Like people just scream their province uh. when a, a team makes a shot. It adds to that experience. And I think... You, this is where you get things like the sociables with the signs of mm-hmm. what should they do. Uh, you get the the core of the patch is really cool because that's sort of this is where it started. This is what it's all about. Yeah, uh, it used to be the Heartstop Lounge, but they've just gone to patch for all events. To me, it's sort of the pinnacle of what the sport is supposed to be. And Curling Canada, for as much as I don't care for what happened at the the trials this year i think they do a really good job in focusing in on these two events from a fan perspective there's always stuff in the concourses there whether it's you know brooms to like test out uh there's different things going on contest in the the concourse the 50 50 draw these sorts of things that just make it a very communal environment Mm -hmm. it's better in spaces where as we talked about last week the patch is attached to the arena, certainly, and I still have a preference for smaller-ish arenas, mm-hmm. junior hockey arenas for these events. I wouldn't want to go smaller than that for that for these because crowds can be pretty good. But I, I really think that these events capitalize on the nostalgia of what curling is, mm-hmm. the national spirit that surrounds it, and just makes it a that makes them great events. Yeah, yeah, the the things like the pin trading that happens, yeah. you know, like that doesn't happen at other curling events in the same way as it happens at a Scotty's and a Briar. And yes, it's because they've been around for so long these events, but but they they are really cool. Like like it's really really fun to be there and hear somebody yell Ontario yeah. and and see the guy with the big flag, you know, running up and down and and just sort of embrace the whole atmosphere. Exactly. Uh, I've been I've been to small and large arenas for these kind of events. I think the largest one I went to was in Saskatoon. 
okay. to be honest, which yeah. is about a 14, 15,000 seater. I don't know if it's even that big. Uh, okay, but I think I think it might be. But anyway, uh, the Brant Center? Mosaic? Anyway. <laughs> I, the Brant they, Center is in Regina. Right, right. Everything changes uh, so much that I yeah. can't remember. But but it was really cool because there, while there was still like a lot of space, because I'd go to the daytime draws, and it still felt like you were kind of on top of the ice, right. even when you were sitting far away. Uh, which I really liked, and the access to the players was great, like just amazing. Mm-hmm. Uh, then I've been to smaller arenas, you know, and like in London, Ontario, the the Labatt's Labatt Arena. Yeah, something like that. So it's a little bit smaller. Molson Center, or that's a different place. Anyway. So anyway, you you see like a little more close up. You can hear the players on the ice. Like you sit close enough. I like to sit close. I know you don't get the big perspective, but sitting close is kind of fun where you hear Kevin Martin yelling at uh, <laughs> whoever. So these kind of events, yeah, they're way up there for me. And I'm kind of surprised that you've put them third. I have put them third. Because there's only one event I can think of that I've been to that I would definitely say is better. Whereas I have two. But you have two. Have two. And, and I'd and, like to hear... And I, I just I would also like to say, so I put them together. If I were to rank them separately, I like the Scotties a little more than the Briar. I would agree. Uh, yeah. I just I just, I just always have liked it more. Mm-hmm. I'm partial to it more than the Briar. So if it was like 4A and 4B, the Scotties would be 4A for me. And I think what... Maybe during the time that we grew up where, where the Briar was a little less wide open than the Scotties. And the Scotties seemed to me... Like there was more teams that had a chance to win, whereas we went through the early two thousands with Randy Furby's team and right, uh, and then Kevin Martin's team was there with Glenn Howard's team. Yeah. It just seemed like very top heavy. Yeah, uh, for a long time. I know Colleen Jones' team it was dominating in the women's women's game, but yes, to, to me that's the difference was that the women's game was a little more, a little more wide open for everyone. And it's also first in yeah. the schedule, right? Yeah, so- exactly. You know, before there was an event every weekend, you're jonesing to watch a little curling. The Scotties comes on first, and you're like, you're into it. Yeah. Yeah, it's back. All right. So I think that helps with it as well. So moving on, number two, I have the Continental Cup of Curling. I think this is arguably, of the events that I've been to, the most fun to go to. Because now I've been to it in Vegas and in London, Ontario. Loved them both. Mm-hmm. Super fun. Everyone is there. There's no pressure on the event. The players, they seem to kind of maybe want to win, but really don't care that much. They're there to have a great time. Mm-hmm. They're at the patch way more often. A lot of accessibility there. Only three sheets, which I also kind of like just from a spectator perspective. Yeah, It's easy to keep track of everything, which I enjoy. You get to see different formats. You get to see people playing together who you wouldn't normally see in the mixed doubles mm-hmm. which is kind of cool to see those matchups i like the team atmosphere of it of the players on the bench who are cheering along too they'll run up and do high fives yeah all that kind of stuff the players when they're not playing too they're cheering i think jill officer has brought in a megaphone on multiple occasions uh so like that kind of stuff i like to see that camaraderie that creates more energy mm-hmm. in the crowd as well I think it helps the curling too that each team is only playing once a day for those first three days, except for the people who are playing mixed doubles. But it doesn't saturate the teams, I think. It keeps everyone fresh, keeps them relaxed. I really like that. 
from the fan perspective, it's cool. You have the home team. Everyone's cheering for North America, uh, being polite to the European or the world team, but cheering for North America. Mm-hmm. The atmosphere in London, I thought wasn't going to be as good as Vegas because the Vegas one is you're in Vegas. It's a vacation city. Everyone's mm-hmm. just having fun. But London was really good. That it maintained that energy, that excitement about the event that I thought would go away, even though it was ridiculously cold that weekend yeah. uh, uh, at the Continental Cup this year. I, I thought it was really nice. So I, to me, as a spectator, you're still going to see world-class curling. You're going to see great shot making, maybe even some better shot making because they're going to take a lot more risks in these games. And I think you're, you, st- you see way fewer blank ends. So I think the curling, you can make a case, is better than some of the other events because the stakes are a little bit lower. And there's such great energy around it that from a fan perspective, if I had to pick one event to go to in a calendar year, I'm picking the Continental Cup. Interesting. I, I agree with you on everything that you said. But I would say the thing that is missing to me is the stakes. It's I like to see players playing under a little bit of pressure and playing for something that to me the continental cup oh it's just some trophy and thirty thousand dollars whatever uh, like that's what's missing from the continental cup for me is stakes okay so i agree that you know okay they'll take more risks play cooler shots but in the end it doesn't really matter yeah, Who, but I mean, yeah, then you can get to the extreme of like, what what, what matters? Okay, we're not turning like, this no. into the nihilist curling podcast. Yeah, no, but, but like, but to me, the stakes, the stakes don't matter as much to me when right. I watch. Like, I just don't really care that much. I just want to see a good game. Yeah, yeah. Whether yeah. that game is at a Continental Cup, at the Olympics, I mean, whatever, just play a good game. And we've been lucky in the Continental Cups we've gone to that they've all come down to the last... The last game. Game and basically the last S- rock. Essentially, yeah. The, the one in Vegas that we went to is when John Morris made the double uh, after Kevin Cooey missed a run back. Yeah. So, so about 30 seconds later, John Morris. That is the loudest I've ever heard. Certainly a curling, a curling crowd. Venue. Yeah. Uh, arguably, it's one of the, the more most spontaneously joyful reactions that I've ever heard from a crowd. It was pretty uh, cool, right? Yeah, the place was going boncos. I was, of course, on the media bench and tried to stay as stone-faced as possible because I'm not allowed to cheer when I'm up there. But it was pretty cool. It was a really cool event yeah, yeah. In, or in a moment. So that's what I really like about it. Right, and so the pushback then would be, oh, what if a team clinches on Sunday morning and then you're playing out the string? Yeah, I don't think that takes away from just sort of the fun of it. Because like you say, the stakes, it's not really about who wins that event. No. To a degree it is, but not really. So teams are still going to go out there and have fun. There are some minor stakes if a team wins Sunday morning that whoever wins the overall skins games gets more money there's an extra bonus for that so they're still trying right they're right. not giving up so okay so yeah i i agree that it's really really fun and everybody should try and go but these are just sort of me playing devil's advocate okay, for why so it might not be all right so that's two. my number two so the number one event is i think it's pretty obvious it's got to be the olympic games and for me it's not even necessarily just because of the curling <laughs> Uh, I have to say, I because there's better fields elsewhere. If, if you only care about watching high-quality curling, and that's all you care about, then the Olympics is not where you go. There's other places to get better quality curling. 
if 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 you're more interested in everything around it though then it has to be the olympics if you care about stakes then yes the olympics are the highest stakes event that we have mm-hmm. on the calendar i like sort of the nationalism of it and not negative nationalism like but people are being patriotic right. cheering for their country the, what happened with the koreans this year was so cool to see yeah. from afar but in person there would have been so much more energy so much more excitement around it and that adds to the atmosphere and then i also like that these venues tend to be pretty full we we saw it the korean one was very well attended mm-hmm. maybe not so much when the koreans weren't playing but still pretty well attended certainly vancouver was full i can't really remember sochi to be honest uh turin i think was pretty well attended as well so these things get crowds there's going to be energy there and even though the olympics seems to be moving to a more spread out model especially the winter olympics where you'll have sort of the arena sports clumped together and then the outside sports up in a mountain somewhere mm-hmm. there's going to be other things to do too so the event around it the whole space around it even if you don't go to say speed skating or figure skating or hockey there's all these people around the events around the venues mm-hmm. that creates more atmosphere more excitement and, and that's just to me would make it that much more fun yeah big time sean i know i know i've mentioned before i was at the 2010 olympics in vancouver that was easily the best uh curling experience i've ever had it was so cool sean like the the crowds were pretty dumb for the most part <laughs> like they were not curling crowds yeah and we saw that in korea too the, right the, the excited into a crowd but based on some of the things they were cheering and not cheering not the most knowledgeable crowd right and like cheering cheering loud for misses by yeah. the other team is not what you want no. if you know curling but there's no question that the crowds were super into it they were like stomping their feet on the in the stands you know making all sorts of racket uh like you say the city was a buzz with the olympics in general which made it like a really fun two weeks to be there uh they'd set up uh the vancouver curling club at the time was still in their old building just sort of beside where the new one is Uh and had set up uh you know their tv was open in the lounge you could go to the lounge and have a beer some of the players were there doing uh doing some autograph sessions uh during that time so it was really fun uh it was just like the craziest atmosphere when they they won the gold medal. It was just ugh, you can't even right, describe. Yeah. Like it was so cool the the noise in there and the singing of O Canada after. It's ah uh, it's just insane. And the Olympics is something that I'd like to go back to and experience it in another place that's not quite so Canada centric. Right. Know, just to see the, what yeah. the difference is. Gonna, yeah, full experience. But yeah, so the the Olympics has to be I think number one from a fan perspective. So here's the top 10 again, Scott. I'll do a quick rundown. Uh, Number 10, the World Cup, really because of the unknown. We just don't know anything about it. Uh, Number 9, a non-Canadian World Championship. Number 8, the Canadian Mixed Championship. Number 7, the Canadian Olympic Curling Trials. Number 6, the Canada Cup of Curling. Number 5, the Grand Slams, with the exception of the Elite 10. Number 4, the uh, World Championships in Canada. Number 3, the Scotties, the Briar. Number 2, Continental Cup. And number one, the Olympic Games. And what we need to do now, of course, is to go to more events not in Canada. Because this is obviously a very Canada-centric list. Yeah. So if we can make it down to a U.S. World Championship or U.S. National Championship, some of the events over in Europe, 
like the Stockholm Cup, these sorts of things. Maybe we could do that. Or maybe the Arctic event, which they've started now. Mm. Every uh, is late May or early June, whenever they play that. So In we, Russia, we, yeah. Yeah, so we got to get more, uh, more of our international experience down to maybe fully complement this list yeah i think we're going to need some sponsors for that but i definitely want to go i i like going to curling and uh we talked a little bit about the cost of these events but not too too much yeah that's for, true. from my perspective the olympics is the most expensive just because because uh, it is because it is it's the international olympic committee are full of not great people but and also like the demand is high for tickets so the, the prices are high right uh everything else is pretty reasonable getting to vegas and and going to the full event for the continental cup is pretty expensive about a thousand bucks yeah but, but ticket prices across the board for curling canada tend to be pretty consistent pretty consistent yeah so you can go to all these events but let's say you don't have 500 dollars to spend on a full week pass or 250 300 that you can always volunteer at these events these this is a way that I've been able to go and experience a lot of things. Uh, I've been a volunteer uh, for three or four different events uh, in different capacities every time. It's always fun. Uh, I did 50-50 in Vegas, which was a lot of running, like yeah. a lot of up and down. But I also got to meet a lot of people yeah. and uh, talk to people from all over Canada and the U.S. Uh, I think there was one woman from Mexico that was there. She was, yeah. So, like... That that's a nice way to go to an event. Uh, it gets you involved in the community, and you don't have to pay for tickets, right? Yeah. So and, and yeah, like you say, you meet a lot of cool people. It's a great atmosphere. The other way that you can get into an event, if you don't want to spend the money, is start a history podcast, do fifty or sixty shows, and then ask for a press pass to do an episode about curling. It, I I would recommend volunteering. <laughs> uh, there's lots of great things you can do. They always need volunteers. The volunteers are always nice. So I would say go volunteer at an event uh, if you don't think that you can afford the tickets. Yeah, or just don't want to spend that money. Like it just, Or if you want to just be involved in it, too. Yeah, like yeah. It's, yeah, it's a great, great way to do it. So that's our list. You can let us know. Uh, or I guess it's more my list with Scott's commentary on it because he doesn't agree with everything on that list. Uh, but that's our the my list. Let us know what you think about it on Twitter, email, Facebook, whatever you want to do. And let us know of the events that we haven't been to, what your thoughts are in terms of the overall experience from a fan's perspective. Because again, for this, it's really about the fans. And, and if you're paying money or volunteering to go to an event, you want to have it be a good event. You want to have fun. So mm -hmm. let us know for those folks who have been lucky enough to go to some of these events that we haven't, what we are missing. And if you disagree strongly with something on my list, uh, you can let me know as well. And again, you can get in touch with us, Game of Stones Podcast at gmail.com, Twitter at Game of Stones Pod, Scott individually on Twitter at Scott Likes TV. I'm at Dr. Shawnee Fever. We also have the Facebook page of just Game of Stones Podcast, which you can find it and give it a like. And if you haven't yet, please do subscribe to the show wherever it is you get your podcasts. So we will be back with another episode next week. Hopefully, the heat has broken wherever you are, if you were in the heat wave zone, and get your mind back to curling. But we'll be back with you again next week for another episode. So, until then, keep your brooms on the ice and don't dump that intern.